So I've never killed a bear in California that didn't make either Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young. They have to score 21 to be in the book all time. Yep. And I've never taken a 21 inch. My biggest was 20 and four sixteenths. And then I had one that's 20. This year's bear was 20 and two sixteenths. Wow. And so they would go in the book, but they only stay for three years. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet Gray. We have a special guest, Seth Watts, that we are going to be speaking with. He owns the Instagram page, Black Bear Pursuit. I'm sure many of you have seen some of his posts. If you are into black bear hunting or have hunted in California, he has a very, very large following. He's going to talk about tactics. He's going to talk about a little different uh, perspective from Northern California that most people don't realize is game rich. He's also going to discuss at length about his 2022 bear hunt that has a lot of ups and downs. He found this bear last year, a really, really nice mature boar, and not always do we end on a high note, and he's going to discuss that at length. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is your host, Chet Gray. We have a special guest in studio um, on the phone from Northern California. We have Seth Watts. He is going to be speaking about black bear hunting specific to California, but also in some of the Western states. If any of you followed him on his Instagram channel, you've seen a lot, a lot of really good information on black bears. Um, he has a really, really good story that has perfect um, ups and downs that anyone that's an archer is going to experience. Everybody that has been shooting a bow and gone after animals with a bow, you know the defeat of missing or you know the defeat of hitting an animal and not being able to recover it. Um, you haven't been hunting long enough if you haven't experienced that. And unfortunately, some of the best lessons learned are the hardest. Uh, Seth has graciously been able to take time out of his busy schedule. Um, we always appreciate any guest that is willing to speak with us and also talk about not just the the positives of hunting. We're going to talk about a lot of those those downs, um, and we love hearing about that because it makes us grow. It helps everybody else get a better perspective, and he has a really really good story to talk about that. But we have lots of positive things to talk about as well. Um, as always, we have Mike Ornoski, a co-host in studio. How are you, Mikey? We are doing beautiful today. It's a beautiful day and excited to talk about bears today and uh, just talk about archery hunting and the ups and downs. So excited to, to get to know Seth a little better. And we have Seth on the phone. How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for, thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. We really, really appreciate it. Um, Seth, for anyone that doesn't know you, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your your hunting background. Um, we obviously know you're from Northern California, but if you could do a quick intro and we'll get right into it. All right. Uh, well, like you said, I'm a California native, um, Northern California. You know, people always kind of laugh that uh, people from California will kind of say I'm from 
northern or I'm from southern, but <clears throat> we don't need to go into that. But, uh, <laughs> there is a big difference. Yeah, but I mean, you know what? There's there's good people in northern, central, and southern California. So correct. Um, but I'm from I'm from the northern part. I'm, um, where where the main population of bears are. Um, you know, I've hunted my whole life, but I wouldn't say that I really hunted until probably I don't know 2014 ish is kind of when I really just dove into it. I guess it's kind of like my midlife crisis. Um, but that's when I really, you know, before it was more hunting is with my, you know, my dad and my brother and, and just family. And it was just like a camping trip. And, and, uh, I guess just until recently, you know, I really dove in and that's when I would start to scout. And I, and I, I, I consider myself a better scouter I scout better than I hunt. Um, I know that kind of sounds weird, but no, that, way more that makes success. Sense. Way way more success since I started scouting instead I'm, of just going out and and hunting for a weekend here and there. Where not that I never had success doing that, but it wasn't as consistent. So um, yeah, I just kind of became obsessed with bears and. And I'm a lousy deer hunter, so I'm not I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit that. But I also don't put that much effort into it. So uh, bears is kind of it's where I that's what I just I just love chasing them. I love I love seeing them. I love seeing what they're doing all year and what they're not doing. So now in Northern California, do they go into a full hibernation? Does it get cold enough in those areas, or do they go into I don't know the scientific term, but that slumber okay. where they're coming in and out of hibernation and sleeping and then getting up and forging. Uh, torpor. Yes. Torpor. Uh, I think we, I think we have a little bit of both. Um, we definitely have some areas that um, heavy snow, um, and then of course you know a female when when she's going to have cubs, she has to hibernate. So. Um, I think we have both. I mean, I run, I run a lot of cameras in a lot of different areas and I will see, uh, I will see bears on my camera all year long, you know, January, February, you know, but they're not as active. It's like, like you say, they'll go like the torpor where they're, they'll go lay down two, three weeks and they might get up for a couple of days, you know, and then, and then go lay back down. But, and then you're going to have some like in maybe, Tahoe National Forest where they're getting, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten feet of snow where they are going to hibernate. So I think we get a little bit of both, but, you know, I kind of have my own theory as far as the size of bears we have in California and why. And my theory is um, our bears, and I'm not saying we have the biggest bears. I've kind of taken some heat from that in the past saying that we have the biggest bears, but I feel, you know, genetics obviously play play a part in it, but let's just say Idaho bears or Montana or anywhere that a bear does a true hibernation, they're going to hibernate four or five months. Whereas here, we pretty much have food year round, and so they're not going to hibernate for four or five months. So they don't really have to shrink down as much as a bear that's going to hibernate, you know, four or five months and then build back up to a big size 
all year long. Right? Does that make any sense? It makes perfect just, sense. So that's just kind of my own theory. And from what I've seen, you know, from hunting in Idaho and hunting in Montana in the past, um, I've seen big bears there as well, but I see big bears all the time here. You know, it's, I rarely see a bear that's what I would consider not a shooter here. Right. You know, so, um, it's interesting. I mean, that's just, those are my opinions and, but they're based on a lot of observation, you know? Yeah. And I'm probably, you know, a little biased, but, uh, yeah. It's okay to be biased from the state that you're at. We're all proud of where we're, (laughs) where we live. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, I'm not proud of, I'm not proud of everything here, but, uh, (laughs) I definitely think that California is a state that's undervalued and underrated as far as the hunting we do have, especially for our bears. Um, I would consider Arizona in that, in that same category. Um, I don't think a lot of people know, um, myself included. I never really thought about hunting bears in Arizona until probably two, three years ago. And I see a lot of stuff on Instagram of the bears that come out of there and that's intrigued me to come there. So, yeah, we have a lot of, I think our population is a lot larger than what most people think. And, you know, back when we used to be able to run trail cameras, I mean, we used to get tons and tons of bears, you know, I mean, and as you saw on social media, I mean, bears are almost like as common as deer, you know, not, not as common, but I mean, it's amazing. You can set up looking for a deer and all of a sudden you get three or four different bears, you know, in that same water source, you know, and I think it is kind of a hidden gem, and I would I would agree with you because I would say our bears, from what I've seen here, a lot of them are very large, and that we don't have that hibernation similar to California, like we do with some of the northwest yeah. country and those, you know, Canada and things like that, where they're sleeping the whole time. I mean, even look at like Alaska. Look at how many people go shoot bears in Alaska, and it's rare that you shoot a, a monster black bear up there. I mean, most of them are just average sized bears. Yeah, what was I, I posted something not that long ago? about the the number of like Boone and Crockett entries like per state and a lot of the states that you would think would have a high number didn't even make the top 10. Uh, I think Wisconsin was number one and to be honest I would have never thought of Wisconsin to be number one now obviously they have some big bears there and um, I'd love to go experience that but I don't California was like number four or five on that list. And I'll bet you a lot of people didn't know that. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's just. Where, where was Arizona on that? Or did it break the top 10? Uh, I would think so. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I can look real quick here and see. Yeah. Cause like, I know I've, I've taken three bears in Arizona and all three made Pope and Young cause I, I shot him with the bow and arrow, but. Again, I mean, all of our bears I've ever had an opportunity, I mean, they're big, mature bears. And, like, this year I was sitting water for deer, but our archery bear season closes the following Wednesday of every week and had a one-sow limit. And, of course, I had a big old pumpkin head come walking in, big old, old boar, and it's like, are you kidding me? The season closed two days ago. It's only been open for five days, you know. But that's just what happens, though. But I'm sure that bear that came in, he would have went over 20-inch skull. I mean, he was just big and massive and just – you know, you can tell when he's got that big pumpkin head, the ears are real small, and just he's got that curve in the top of his back, you know, and just that how they walk, that stature. You know, it's just a big, old, mature boar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but so I've never killed a bear in California that didn't make 
either Boone and Crockett or Pope and Young. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I never, I never enter them. I mean, I should, I, uh, my taxidermist guy's like, do you want you just enter them? And I just, to be honest, I never get around to it and I don't really care. I've never shot one that is over. It's for, they have to score 21 to be in the book all time. Yep. And I've never taken a 21 inch. My biggest was 20 and four sixteenths. And then I had one that's 20 this year's bear was 20 and two sixteenths. Wow. And so they would go in the book, but they only stay for three years yeah. and then they're out of the book. So I think that's, that's kind of part of the reason I don't spend the money and enter it. It's like, well, it's not going to be in there all the time. Now 21, I would enter it, but then sure. again, it, it doesn't really matter to me on the size. Obviously that's a, uh, that's a cool factor. I like that idea that, that, uh, you know, to outsmart a bear that, that, that is, that it's lived that long and it's that old. Um, that is a cool factor, but, um, 21 inch record, bear is a freaking monster. Yeah. I think the record in California is 20, 23 and something, which is freaking, and that was out of like Mendocino, huh. uh, County, which, is towards the coast. Um, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like grizzly bear skull yes. uh, sizes. So, um, yeah, we got, we have big bears here now. My, I can never find a jet black here. Now, most of the ones that I, that I hunt, um, or the bears that are in the area that I like to hunt, um, they're all that, I call them reds. They're kind of reddish. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. um, everybody calls them color phases or blondes or cinnamons, but I call them reds. They're more red than they are cinnamon. Um, I do see some blondes, um, but I never get any black ones on my cameras. Now, I did see a black one uh, a little over a month ago when I hunted even further north from where I'm at, which, which is pretty common up there. And then uh, actually my brother-in-law was in an area – couple weeks ago that i do like to hunt and he swears that he saw the biggest bear he's ever seen and it was jet black so um hopefully i can locate him next year if he's still around so um it's different I take, that back. I take that back i did i did shoot at a black jet black one that was a giant in 2017 and i missed uh so they're there. I just don't see them hardly ever. It just kind of seems like I can never locate them. I went to, I've been to Montana a couple times. And of course, every time I go there, I come home with a color phase. Um, I went to Idaho. Of course I get a color phase or no, no, no. Why am I saying that? I went to Idaho and I got my jet black. <laughs> I don't know why I just totally brain farted right there, but I did get a jet black this year just not in california that's great yeah arizona has a lot of jet black i would i would say that's probably more the average than color faced here i would say a lot of a lot of black we don't black. have any well i don't say any blondes but very very rarely do you see those but so would mostly, you say that, that you would say that black jet black or or whatever is the more dominant color there yes for sure absolutely lots of blacks um and like in southern southeast Alaska, where a lot of people do go hunt, you see a, a high majority of them with that white patch. If they stood up or if they look up, 
underneath their throat in the top chest area. We don't have that at all. I don't. That could be a genetic trait to that portion of Western Canada and Southeast Alaska. None of them have that I've seen. And Mike, I don't know if you have. Never. I've never seen any here that, <clears throat> you know, like if they're rubbing or as the seasons change, you're seeing different colors. It could be black underneath and, and the reddish or auburn color on top. But I would none say of them it's would probably 50-50 here. Okay. We have to have white on their chest, um, which is cool. I took, I took a bear in 2021 here with my bow that had white chest. Um, the biggest bear I've ever taken uh, here, he had like little tiny white patches on his chest, which was very faint. Um, and then my 2018, he didn't have any white on him. He was just solid. I like the, I mean, I think the white patch is cool, but uh, I like the solid color. They're all, I mean, like you said, when you develop that, that knack for, wanting to follow them and having the trail cameras and watching them. And then you're hunting other animals and you're scouting and you're just witnessing these impressive creatures that, you know, get to roam around. They have no, no worries. There's no grizzlies in Arizona anymore. Uh, they have no other predator other than us or another, you know, bigger boar that could potentially hurt yeah. them and yeah. just being able to watch them and witness them in nature is incredible and mike's seen it uh, more than a lot of other people he's had different elk and deer tags and seeing those uh those big bears come in or a sow with cubs and watching them play in the water it's just it's they're so interesting animals they have a personality that you see more than you know a lot of the ungulates you don't see that per se in an elk or a deer but in bears you can see the personality you can see the different um, behaviors a lot more maybe because well, they all they all have uh, like you say they uh, I don't know if I'd call it personality but like uh, and I never noticed this when I first started running cameras because when I first started running cameras I just I would I would just do pictures and not that you can't tell different bears apart from a picture but it's a little harder and once I started running just video that was like a game changer for me where I could identify a bear because they all walk a little different. They mm -hmm. all have a little, they all have a little bit different swagger. You get a better look at them when they're walking, uh, than just a quick, you know, snapshot of them. So this was the first year for me, um, that I actually watched a bear for months and then actually, had a chance at him to make a play on him. Um, previous years, I've, uh, I guess last year I did, I did take a bear that was on camera, but I wouldn't say he was like my target bear. It was just more of he showed up and and I was like, okay, well, this is my real first chance with a bow, and so I took it, um, and it it turned out a lot better than it did this year, <laughs> but. Yep. Um, it's cool to see them on camera, but then it's even cooler to see them in person and be like, there he is. Wow. You know, it's just, a, it's completely different. Right. Absolutely. Cause they, and they're, they're almost like magical. And it's funny. Cause like when, if you're an archer and you're sitting and you're watching, it's like they, they, they know you're there, 
but they do what they want to do unless they you freak them out. But it's they it's, in all of my experiences, those bears knew I was there, and and just they just knew I was there. And, and at some point, they realized I wasn't a threat probably because I wasn't going to harvest them or, you know. But it's it's interesting that they kind of know that you're there and they. They they'll look into your eyes, but then they go back and doing what they're doing. It's 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 the weirdest, eeriest thing. But then I've had other bears that come in. They know I'm there, and man, they just blow right out. So I'm sure. Have you experienced some of that same stuff? Uh, my experience is that the younger bears seem to be a little bit more skittish than a big bear will. Like you say, they. I mean, kind of depends on the situation and how you come across each other, or you know, but. Um, yeah, I've had it to where they the bigger bears just seem like they they have nothing to worry about. Yep, that's kind of their 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 attitude. Um, now, not every time, but I mean, I've come across some giant bears, and we kind of both just kind of spooked each other. And and that bear was he was out. He you know he's like whoa you know, and you know black bears are they're not. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of videos on the social, you know, the interweb lately where it shows black bears being pretty aggressive, but they're really not. And I mean, obviously they can be, but in every instance that I've, you know, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Yep. They're, they're, they're more scared of us than, than we are of them for the most part. But, um, there's that one video that's been all over Instagram lately about that guy that's like up in those cliffs. Right. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah. Now, I don't know what led up to that. You know, if that guy, you know, he must have spooked that bear, but that bear did come back at him. I don't know the backstory on it, but that's pretty rare for a black bear. Agreed. You know, a grizzly bear, they just look at you different. And I've never had the experience with one, but. You know, I was listening to Joe Rogan and he was talking about bears and bear hunting and he made the comment, you know, like a black bear will look at you like, whoa, you know, what are you? You know, I don't know what you are. and you, I don't like you. And then they're out. Whereas a grizzly bear is going to look at you and be like, I'm going to eat you. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, they're they're number one, you know, yep. they're, there's no fear there. No, having seen them in Wyoming before on a on an elk hunt. And never real, real close, but you have a different level of, I respect them all, don't get me wrong, but it's just a different level of respect for them that they are the masters out there. They're the big boys. I haven't seen them in Alaska on those big uh, Alaskan coastal brown bears, and that would be a whole nother level, but the the lower 48 grizzlies are, are definitely no joke. Yeah, I know. I know that the the you know the few times that I've been to Montana and there's some drainages that you know we take these old logging roads up into these drainages and they'll have the signs that'll say you're you're in grizzly country. And I remember the first time I saw that sign, uh, it just kind of it kind of weirded me out a little bit, where because I've never seen anything like that. And I'm like, geez, what am I doing up here? You know, and. Uh, you know, thank goodness I've never seen one. I would love to see one, but I want to see one like a mile away, you know, through exactly. my slaughter, right. you know, not, not anywhere near me. So, um, yeah. yeah, they all, all the, all the guides and everybody that hunts, I mean, you, everybody's like you said in that social media post of the black bear that I think the guy was just 
climbing those cliffs or he was rock climbing and that bear came down and uh, he swats at it and then it's coming back up and he's kicking at it and trying to hit it and it eventually runs away. But a lot of people recently have seen that clip or the news articles of the two kids. I say kids, but I think they're in their late teens, maybe early 20s that they're in college that are wrestlers and got it. Yeah, that was in wyoming right correct yeah just outside of cody and um you know i don't know if it was a boar or sow they're, they they haven't found the bear yet and i'm sure they will they're pretty good up there about that kind of stuff and it just you know when you spook a grizzly it's more of the the fight they don't really uh it doesn't appear and all the stories and all the people that we've spoken with or friends that are in those states with high grizzly populations, you know, you got a lot of people that come from out of state and have respect for them and they go with the bear spray or they're going with different things to let them know of their, that their presence and, you know, whether it's a bell on your backpack or yelling, Hey bear. Um, and there's lots of situations. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback, anything. They were out shed hunting. And I think that's when they, they, you know, spooked it. And even with the big 500, 600-pound grizzly bear, they're still quiet walking around unless you hear them breathing and huffing or you smell them. They're not, you know, breaking brush like a moose or an elk in the rut. They can still be quiet and traversing through some of that dense forest so you don't always hear them. And when you do spook that big of an animal, you're... Even uh, if you do hear them, a bear's a lot faster than people think. Oh, yeah, they're as fast as a a horse. It's crazy how fast they are. So you brought up a little bit ago about this year's bear. Can you talk about when you first started thinking about him and having that plan of this is a bear that I want to go after, however many years ago it was or how recent it was, and just share with us and our listeners anything and everything that you can remember because it it is a great story for anyone that hasn't heard Seth talk about it or any of his posts describing and showing everybody what he experienced earlier this year yeah so i i saw that bear last year so i've been following him for years but i saw him last year um in a in a spot that like is never it's never my first choice to hunt when the when i'm getting prepared for my year but it's a place that i've ended up hunting because of the fires we've had lately or the logging companies closed their land. So I put a lot of, we have a, a timber company up here called Sierra Pacific and they're the largest property owners in California. And so a lot of the area, a lot of the areas I like to hunt and I like to scout have been pretty limited since basically 2020 COVID and then and then the fires and stuff like that and and once they kind of figured out that they can shut their property down they've been doing it every year since so you know as the year begins i'm i'm everywhere i'm on national forest i'm on you know blm um and sierra pacific and so usually i want to hunt national forest or sierra pacific because it's closer to to my house and i usually find a good bear or two that i'm like all right you know 
I'd like to, you know, go after this one or, or whatever. But then usually Sierra Pacific will close or we have a fire, you know, and that's not this year, but, you know, it's been like that the last couple of years with the fires. This is like the first year we didn't have uh, any closures on national forests um, for fires. But um, the spot that I've hunted this last two years usually starts to pick up and get kind of um, real active I would say about a month before archery season opens probably a little bit pro- probably two months before um, and that's because there's some food sources in there that there's some berries and stuff that start to come on um, early in the summer and so I saw this bear that I uh, was targeting this year I saw him last year um, there was four bears that were in this one area and last year was more of like my first year full-blown archery um the year before i kind of had a screw up where i dry fired my bow out of a tree stand uh total bonehead move yep and my season was over so last year was like my first year went in um and one of those smaller bears out of the four that were in that area showed up and I was like, here's my opportunity. It's a good bear. I'm not going to pass it up. And so I took him at 27 yards, um, you know, super great experience, total rush, um, by yourself, by myself. Um, I, my brother-in-law was, was, uh, at camp, which is like a mile away. He came up um, it's just where it's at. It's kind of an area where it takes a long time to get, get there. And there's nobody, if you got hurt, you'd be in some trouble. So, um, he was like, yeah, you don't need to go up there alone, you know, and and I'll go and I can, um, I can work from camp. There's some internet service up there. Um, so I was like, well, if you want to go, it'd be nice to have somebody at camp. And so he was he was there, but he wasn't there. If that makes sense. He was just, he was a ways away, but that hunt went just like anybody would want it to, you know, the wind was perfect. You got, and you have to play the wind. Obviously when you're hunting bears, that's like the biggest thing. If you, if you're, if you're not, if the wind's not in your advantage, you're not going to have any opportunity. So perfect hunt. So this year comes around, um, you know, all my scouting Sierra Pacific closes like normal. Um, I have a couple backup spots that I'm kind of eyeballing and, uh, actually the, my best spot, um, I gave it up to my brother-in-law and my niece and basically because the spot that I've been hunting got real active that wasn't as active as my best spot, but that big bear that I was going after started showing up and there's actually two big bears and a couple smaller bears again this year. And I can't say if a smaller bear showed up that I wouldn't have taken him, but the two bigger bears are the ones I wanted. And uh, the one that I ended up getting was, I would say, I think he was, he was regressing. You could tell he was really old, you know, real long neck. Um, Anyway, so I went up there this year. I went by myself. Um, opening morning i hike in i'm hiking in i'm probably i probably got there a little later 
to my sitting spot than I wanted to. Um, and what time are you talking for for you to get into your spot? Just oh, first, first, first light. I mean, I I'm kind of one of those guys where um, I don't really like hiking in the dark because I feel like if I jump something, I'm not going to know what it is. Right. And so I always like to be able to at least see a little bit, um, especially with bears. Bears bears aren't really super active really early in the morning, at least in the areas I hunt. I would say more late morning all the way through the evening is like, I think 10 o'clock is like prime time for bears. 10 a.m.? Uh, yeah, 10 a.m., is like that's like prime time in my opinion um now last year i i i took my bear at, at like 2 15 p.m so um but this year anyways i hike in there it's, um i camped in a little bit different spot than i did the previous year i hiked in it's probably a half a mile i i camped a little bit closer this year which was i didn't know I was hoping that it wasn't going to make a difference on where I camped, but it was an easier hike in. And since I was by myself this year, I was like, I want to camp a little bit closer, especially if I have to do a pack out. So I get in there, I, I get seated. I literally took a picture of my blow hanging on my little bow hook that I'd put on a tree um, like a month previous. I look up and there he is like probably wow. 70 yards um, across this little tiny drainage that I like to watch. And I'm like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Did like the, I'm not, Did the heart I'm start not, pumping? Wow. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I'm, and I kind of started to film with my phone and I'm like, okay, I kind of watched him. He kind of paused and I thought he was going to kind of make a little turn and come right up this little spring um, where he does. But he doesn't he keeps walking down the drainage like he's leaving and i'm like crap you know and, every, and my thoughts are going a million million miles a minute or a second and <laughs> so i'm like okay do i just stay put and he's gonna come back at you know whether it's this afternoon or two days from now he's he's gonna come back he's been here there's food here you know he's it's and so that went through my mind and then I'm like, screw it. The, the wind is perfect. I'm going to make a play on him. I know where he's going. And so I'm on one side of this little, it's just this very small drainage. I don't even, I mean, it's, it's not like it's super deep. So I'm on one side, he's on the other and I know the trail he's on. So I'm like, if I stay high and just parallel him, I'll cut him off. And so he's kind of headed towards some thicker brush um, where there's more feed and, and stuff. So I get down and in my, in my sight, I can see on the other side of the brush that he's kind of headed for the trail. And so I knew he didn't come out. So I get down there, I get seated and I can hear him in there breaking branches. And he's and basically, he's eating, uh, these coffee berries. And so it probably for, I think it was 45 minutes. I sat there. And then it got really quiet. And, and while I'm sitting there, I'm ranging 
you know, trees and rocks that are in that trail area that I think he's going to eventually pop out on. And so eventually he, it gets real quiet. And I mean, it seemed maybe five minutes. It was probably like two minutes or a minute. And then boom, boom, there he pops up. And I'm like, okay, he's going to walk right past that rock. That's 45 yards. And, and I'm not a great bow shooter. I'm not, I mean, I haven't been doing it that long, but 45 yards, I feel pretty confident. And so I try to draw back. I'm trying to hook my release. <laughs> and of course I missed the first time I try to hook it. Ugh. Cause you know, I'm just, I'm just like, Oh crap, you know? And, uh, finally get it hooked, draw back, let it fly. And it doesn't just from the shot. It never, it, it didn't feel good, but he stands there and I'm like, shoot, did I, did I miss him? Cause he kind of stood there and looked around and then, and then he starts to trot off. Well, as he's trotting off, I can see what looks like intestines hanging. Wow. So I'm like, crap, I hit him low. And so I let him run off. Obviously I wasn't going to just chase him. And, uh, I actually called my dad and not that my dad doesn't have any experience hunting, hunting bears, but I just kind of wanted an opinion on, Hey, I, I hit a bear. And of course he's like, geez, already, you know, it's 10 minutes into the season. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was I my go, target bear, dad. Yeah. yeah and I, you know, and I was like, but it didn't feel good. How long should I give him? And I didn't have any internet service. I could make a call, but I didn't have internet service. And so he started Googling and stuff and he's like, you know, give him two hours. So I hiked back up to where my, I left my backpack and everything and, and kind of hang out and, and, uh, just kind of walking around up there and I give him two hours and I finally go over and, and, and try to locate my arrow. I never, I never found my arrow, uh, until later, but there was blood immediately where I shot and it wasn't, I would say like crazy good blood, but there was blood and there was a, there was some spray. And so I start to track him and I'm tracking him slow cause I'm by myself. So, but um, you're feeling better about it now that you've, you've given it the time you've gone over there and it made yeah, you probably I mean, feel a little bit more confident that you did. Find I think blood. I, I think I was happy to see blood but in my mind, I thought I saw intestines and the blood wasn't what I would say great. Now, okay. as I tracked him, the blood got better and better. And, to, and I would say within uh, two or 300 yards, the blood was so good. Then I was really confident that I was going to find a dead bear. I mean, like puddles huge puddles and uh he'd gone over like a couple logs and he's bleeding out both sides and i'm like geez okay i'm gonna i'm gonna find a dead bear here but he headed into a small creek bottom a dry creek bottom that's like super thick and so it's kind of nerve-wracking that uh of course i don't see a dead bear but i'm tracking one in some thick stuff and I'm by myself, and so. And do you have a handgun for backup? At I all? did. I did have a sidearm, um, which is legal in California. Uh, just so anybody doesn't freak out, they changed that law like two years ago, to where if you're hunting predators, you can have a sidearm. Now you cannot carry a sidearm 
if you have a deer tag in your pocket. Interesting. So, huh. um, it's kind of weird. Um, but anyways, I was carrying, I was carrying a sidearm. Um, anyways, as I'm tracking him, you know, it's super, I was more worried about losing blood and, or, you know, the bear spoiling because it's like supposed to be 110 that day. Yeesh. Um, you're talking Arizona temps now. Wow. Oh, I'm t- it was hot. And so I, I know it's getting hot. I can feel it getting hot. And so I'm like, I'm not moving super fast, but I'm trying to locate them as quick as possible because at that, at those temperatures, you got, you know, shoot, yeah. maybe four hours before he spoils. Sure. And so I think I got to a point where the further I tracked him, um, I did start to kind of worry because the further I went down that drainage, the closer I was getting to private property. So I'm like, geez, I hope he didn't go on private property. So I get to, it's probably, I've gone about 800 yards and I'm in this real thick part of this Creek bottom and my head's down and I'm kind of trying to push through a little bit of brush and I'm only, I'm only down there because that's where the blood is. Right. And so I look up and there he is curled up in a defensive position, kind of behind a rock and a small tree. And he stands up, pops his jaws at me and bluff charged me twice. And that'll, get, that'll get the hair on the back of your neck standing up. Yeah. And I didn't have any time to try to knock an arrow or, or anything. I just, I mean, I basically crap my pants for sure. And so, and I'm like shocked and he kind of, we kind of stare at each other and he nonchalantly just turns and walks away but he kind of walks up out of the creek bottom through the brush. And now at that point I can see where I hit him and I had hit liver and I had hit actually, I wouldn't, uh, I would say I hit maybe just above middle. So it wasn't a bad shot. I mean, obviously it wasn't a great shot, but it wasn't what I thought it was. And what was hanging out was fat. Okay. And so, he he kind of takes off now he's not running he's just kind of on a he's really on just a slow walk like he looked horrible i'm like geez you know die you know that's what i'm thinking and within 30 seconds i hear a death moan and i'm sure you guys have experienced that yep it's where you know and in my experience that means dead bear and so I hear the death moan and I'm, and I'm sitting there going, yes, this is, it's over, you know? And then probably another 10 or 15 seconds, I hear another moan. And so I'm like, at that point, I'm still like, okay, he's dying, but now I'm worried that he's still moving. And so I sat there for probably another 30 minutes just to kind of gather my, my crap. Cause I'm sure just about <laughs> I thought I was going to die for a second and I just wanted to make sure you know and so from that point I never picked up any more blood now he must have my opinion is is from the moment I shot him he made a steady trek 
all the way down to where he laid down. And so from him laying down, his wounds probably coagulated. Because by the time I think, I think it took me two hours from the point I started tracking him to when I came upon him. So that's four hours. So if he laid there that long, um, his, you know, he probably coagulated shut a little bit. And when he stood up and walked off, there was no, he just wasn't bleeding anymore. And so, uh, I was headed south down the drainage and he went up to the west side and that's where I heard the moans from. And so that's where I concentrated on was that west side of the hill. And I mean, I checkerboarded it and it was probably within a hundred yards of the private property. So when I could not locate him and I mean, I spent all day, I finally, uh, called back down the hill to my dad and my brother and they located the phone number for that private property owner. The private property owner gave me permission to go look and I never, I never found him, um, um, that day. And so when I got back to camp, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm more exhausted than I've ever been. And, uh, I was laying in my tent that night and I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I should have checked the East side of that hill and but in my mind i'm thinking i didn't hear any the moan didn't come from that side and so it's easy to second guess when all that's running through your mind at the end of a an exhausting day yeah and so the next morning my plan was to go back and sit where there's where there's water and hopefully he's going to come back for water since he's hurt and so I hunted that area for two more days, hopeful, hoping he was going to show back up. And so at that point, you know, my brother-in-law, and I've talked to, I've pretty much talked to everybody and trying to get opinions on, you know, on anything and everything. And my brother-in-law goes, I'm going to, I'm going to come up there and my nephew, and we're going to, we're going to find that bear because he's got to be dead. And my thing was, is like, dude, if you guys come back, if you come up, he's, and we find him, he's. He's not going to be any good, but it, my brother-in-law's like, but it'll be closure. And I'm like, okay, if, if you want to come up, come up. And so they came up that next day and basically I just walked him through everything I did. We tracked just like I tracked, you know, the blood was still all there. We did locate my arrow, uh, that, that day. And the arrow was just completely soaked in blood. And so, and no rain over those last couple of days. It's still dry. Oh out. no, it's still hot as it's freaking just. I mean, miserable hot. Right. And so, um, we're from Phoenix. We know all about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, you know what? And and then my opinion is is bear hunting here is the best when it's that hot because that bear has to get up and move and find shade, and he has to go to water every day. Yep. So if you can find areas that have limited water, that's kind of where I've found a lot of my success are in areas like that. If you're hunting next to a big creek, they could be anywhere. Right. So anyways, they come up, we're walking, and about halfway down, we got a whiff of just death. And so we're like, all right, he's here somewhere. And uh, actually that morning I had heard coyotes yipping and going crazy down in that direction and i was like jeez you know and uh 
we get down there and he's in a spot. We locate him in a spot that I probably walked by 20 times while I was looking for him. And I just never, for whatever reason, never put eyes on him. So I searched the whole west side of that bottom creek bottom, and he was on the east side probably 10, 15 yards on the other side, you know, in some brush. But I just never I just never saw him. I, I mean. You were I, going I, where I'm, you thought that the death moans were, right? Yeah, but, I mean, even knowing that I walked by in that creek bottom and he was 10, 15 yards from me, just kind of make, it makes me sick you know it's my i mean i still think about that daily what could i have done different you know um i don't like seeing an animal suffer that's not why i hunt uh i want it to be quick and you know as humane as possible but he died in the sun so even you know because i go back in my mind and i'm like maybe i should have just backed completely out and went back in the morning even if i would have done that and he would have died where I bumped him, he probably still would have spoiled. That's how hot it was. So, um, but that's like something in my mind. I'm like, man, I should have just backed out for the whole day. Maybe there would have been a chance that he would have lived, you know, mostly through the night and then died in the middle of the night. But even at that point, it's 90 degrees at night. So you just never know. Yeah. And so, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I knew the right thing to do was to put my tag on him, even though there was nothing salvageable of him, no hide, no meat, you know, basically the only thing you could take would be the skull. And so I called a, a game warden that I'm that, that usually talk to multiple times a year and I asked him, I go, Hey, you know, I told him my situation and he actually told me to walk away. He didn't tell me to walk away. I go, what do you want me to do? I can't bring you a hide and I can't bring you any meat. Like they, we, when we validate our bears here, you have to provide Same your here. meat and your, yeah. So you have to provide the meat and some proof of them of like to see the, uh, we don't have to show proof of sex, but some of them want to see, some of them want to see the hide and they all want to see your skull. Okay. And so I was like, what do you want me to do? And he goes, you know, from what you're telling me, you you did more than most people would. So if you just want to walk away from it, walk away from it and keep your tag. And so, you know, in my heart, in my mind, I'm thinking, ultimately, I killed that bear. Yep, absolutely. I don't deserve to kill another one later. That's my tag. And he's like, if you want to tag it and take the skull, um, I can validate it like that. And so... Um, that's what I did. And, and my brother-in-law helped me get the head off him cause I'm sitting there barfing. He smelled so bad. And oh. I was truly amazed. I was truly amazed how fast he had decayed. Um, I mean, I knew it was hot and I know that animals can decay pretty quick, but how far he was gone blew my mind. Um, and so I remember seeing those pictures fresh on, on social media, oh, on your even, Instagram. I'm sure yeah, you didn't show didn't all even, the the gross ones and the maggots on it and the oh, skin yeah, crawling. I, I some of them I didn't even post. I mean, but, you know, it was, 
it was a heartbreaker. Um, How far do you think obviously, you went? Obviously, I'm bummed that I'm not going to get any meat. Um, you know, I like to keep the hide. Um, but in my mind, in my heart, I'm like, I hope he didn't suffer that bad. You know, as sure. you know, I'm not a. That's how we all feel. A true hunter doesn't want their animal to suffer. We want those clean, ethical shots, and it for it to be as you know. Obviously, it's not painless, but any true sportsman wants that. Yeah, and he would have. You know, um, I actually should get the age back from him on how old he was um, next month from uh, Madsen's laboratory. You know, they'll they'll do your teeth and have your ages back in ninety days. So That's crazy. I use them every year. And so, yeah, he was on the, I wouldn't say he's on the tail end of his life, but he's on the backside, you know, he's not going to live for another 10 years, I wouldn't think so. And if, if he would have died in the wild, it would have been at the hands of another bear or starvation or, you know, hit by a car or something that would have been a lot harder, you know, than the way that I ended up killing him. But it's still it's still something that's extremely hard for me to think about. I mean, I think about it every day and it bothers me, Sure. but I, I go back and tell myself, Seth, you did everything you could to locate him. Now I will say that when I shot, when I did shoot him, I should have led him. I should have put my pin on his shoulder because he was walking, but those big bears, I call them slow walkers because they just kind of have a stroll about them. They're not in a hurry. You know, they just kind of, but he took that extra step or half a step. And that's why I hit him just a hair back. They have that swagger. Like you talked about. What's that? They have that swagger that you talked about that. They're just that gate, but it is hard, you know, on a moving animal, even if they are moving slow, they may, they think they've stopped and they take that extra step. It wasn't a shot that I look back and think, man, I shouldn't have. That was a bad shot to take. It was a great shot to take. Uh, I should have just led him a little. Because if I would have hit him two inches further forward, I would have hit lung. And he'd have been he'd have been done in 30 yards. Sure. But being a rookie bow hunter like I am, I didn't do that. And now, you know, that's obviously one of the hard lessons I've learned, especially at 45 yards. Um, you know, that's not a far shot, but it's not a close shot. Um, like my, the bear previous before was 27 yards. I didn't lead him at all. And I double lunged him and he was done quick. So, um, how far did he ultimately go from where you shot him to where you recovered him? Well, let me back up. How far did he go from where you shot him to where you found him and bumped him to where you recovered him. So he went from, from, from where I shot him to where he bed down, he went 800 yards from where I bumped him to where he died. He went 40 yards. Wow. That's crazy. And so, and then the property line was probably another hundred yards, maybe at, at most from that spot. So that's why I was like, man, you went out of that private property, you know? And I mean, it, it's hard to, when you're by yourself, 
and you can't feed off of somebody else. Yep. Hey, what did you hear? Or what did you see? Or what do you think? Or yep. if I would have been with somebody else, I'd have been like, Hey, you search the East side. I'll search. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the West side. You know, it sure. would have been not that I don't think people should hunt alone, but, um, I think it would have turned out different if I'd have had somebody with me this year, but you know, last year, my brother-in-law wasn't into bow hunting. This was his first year. And so, you know, bow hunting isn't a team sport really like you can with rifles. So all of us that I normally hunt with, everybody's out opening weekend. We're all talking on our in reaches. And I actually messaged him when I had talked to my dad too, from my in reach to his, Hey, how long should you give an animal that you gut shot? And when I later, when I talked to him later, he was like, the first thing he thought was like, already you're, you know, Sure. I mean, not that I'm like in my mind, I, I kind of wonder, was I the first person in California opening day to shoot a bear? You know, that'd be kind of cool. I, if, if that's what really happened, but you know, I busted my butt all year scouting. I actually started scouting in February Incredible. this year, which is, which is really early. Um, I won't do that again next year because it really didn't, um, it really wasn't, I guess I shouldn't say it wasn't worth it, but it wasn't giving me any, uh, you know, data that I could use this year or next year or whatever. They're just, they were still slow. They weren't out. Right. Yep. And so what are your, some of your tactics for scouting? So for like for California, so as you're preparing and scouting, is it just getting up on high hills and glassing? Are you using trail cameras over water? Are you sitting water? So what are some of the things that you're doing to locate some of these bears, you know, that you want so, to pursue? So mostly um, here, uh, it's mostly cameras, um, looking for trails. Stomp trails are kind of something that is like, I think, is the best sign you can find. If you can find a stomp trail, you're, you're – I'm let's just put it this way. I've never put a camera on a stomp trail and not had more than one bear using that trail. Explain so, what you mean as a stomp trail for everybody listening. So, so a stomp trail is just a trail that is so worn. Like you can see the bear where they're stepping. And so they step in the exact same spot. Every time they walk down that trail, that each part that they're putting their, their, foot or pad or whatever in is they're wearing that ground down so much it almost looks like a human walked in the mud and left their tracks and then just kept walking in it walking in and eventually it's just so worn um you know and so i call them stomp trails and and so before i even noticed what they were doing on cameras i, I that's kind of what i started calling them is because it looks like they're they were stomping it to wear it well, as I started running cameras, that's exactly what they're doing. They walk down those trails and they actually literally force their pads into the ground like they are stomping. <laughs> and so I've talked to multiple biologists on why they, why they do that. I've never really gotten an answer, you know, a scientific answer. You know, they've given me opinions on some of them say that they – they wear those trails like that because that's an area that they hunt and it makes the trail quieter for them to walk. Um, I've had people tell me that it's uh, a territorial thing um, during, you know, the rut 
which I kind of, I would lean more towards that. Um, but. And they're leaving their scent around no matter what, when they're doing that. Yeah. I mean, they're on those trails. There's usually a rub tree that they rub on. Um, or they're, you know, straddling a small tree or a bush as they're, as they walk down that trail, they'll leave their scent on it. Um, so that's, I mean, basically what I'll do is I'll go up to an area, I'll find a logging road, I'll walk those logging roads. Um, I'm looking for bear tracks, good trails, and then I'll basically follow a trail and, and I'll try to locate a stomp trail or a rub tree. And how do you locate a rub tree? So what are the characteristics of a rub tree that would make you think that that tree is being used as a rub? Oh, man, you can just tell that uh, a rub tree is usually, you can tell where they rub their head because they're greasy. They leave like a grease mark. And then usually there's claw marks up by where their head is because they're pulling on that tree as they're rubbing against it. Um they're just, I've never, on every stomp trail, if you follow it long enough, you're going to find one. And so, and it's kind of hard to explain. They will do it on some smaller trees that are kind of harder to locate. And they usually like pull down the top of the tree and bite the top of it. And then ultimately killing that tree. Um, I'll find those and I'll run six cameras on one trail in every direction. Cause I'm trying to locate, I'm trying to pattern them on those trails yep. so that if I want to hunt that trail, I'll know which direction they come from because most of my cameras on the trails I run, they always, not every bear, but most bears will come from, well, let's just say one bear comes South. That same bear will come from the South every time, but I'll never see him coming back North. Got it. So they're making a big loop. They're running a loop somewhere, you know? Yep. And so I kind of do that. That way, if I'm going to sit there, I'm kind of prepared. Okay. If a bear is going to come or a certain bear, he's going to come from the South or the North or, or the West or whatever, whatever that particular bear is doing. And so usually after I've located a stomp trail and a rub tree, then I'm looking for where's the water they're using because you're never going to find a bear that's not around some sort of water source, whether that's some sort of pond or wallow or spring, there's going to be something. And so then I'll locate that and then I can kind of go from there on whether I'm going to put a tree stand or a ground blind or, or whatever. And, and I run, uh, I have like six tree stands up the last few years but i never ever end up using them (laughs) i know i should just take them down because i always end up hunting off the ground which i kind of i'm kind of starting to think that that's just better (laughs) at least for me anyways and so you sound very active and if you're wanting to stay move mobile and wanting to check new area it's hard from a tree stand getting up and down and going to a new one yeah but i wouldn't say that when i go and i hunt from the ground 
the ground that I'm really that mobile anyways, because the more mobile you are, the more likely you are not to see one. So I would really probably consider myself more of an ambush hunter than I am like a spawn stock. Okay. Um, find an area I know they're using and sit and wait. Now I have taken them doing spawn stock. Um, but the last few years that I've been successful, it's all, I guess what I would consider ambush, you know, lie in wait. And, you know, if you do enough scouting and run enough cameras and, and, uh, you know, pick the trail or the spot that's going to have, you know, the most activity on it, you're, and you can play the wind, you're going to, you're going to put yourself in a position for opportunity. Absolutely. So I hope we never lose, um, the trail camera thing here. Like you guys have kind of, yeah, that's gone for you, isn't it? Yeah. We just lost it this last year. So unfortunately, so they, can uh, you still decision. run them certain times a year? No, no. So basically you can't use a trail camera for the pursuit of wildlife basically, or, or an image or, so any, you can't use a camera for anything as it relates to hunting basically. So, so you, you can use them for everything else, but it's basically if it's it's used for, and there's no timeline. That's part of the gray area that's never been addressed. Is is it infinity? So, if I put a, a camera, you know, just to have fun, just see what's in the spring, that means I can never go hunt that spot, you know, the rest of my life, next 30, 40 years. We don't know. It's basically it's infinity at this point. They they really haven't clarified what that looks like. So. Yeah. See, I think that's unfortunate because one thing that I like about cameras is not only do I get to identify what bears are there, but I can identify, you know, a sow that has cubs. And if she comes cruising through and I've seen her previously in the year um, and she had cubs, I'm going to be able to identify her because cubs aren't just right on their back hip. It can be a hundred yards behind them and you could make a bad mistake real quick as, whereas if I have, in my mind, uh, you know, a Rolodex of the bears that are in that area and that sow comes through, I'm going to be like, this is that sow that has those, that cub or those two cubs. So wait, don't, don't make a bad decision. Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against taking a sow that's, you know, not a wet sow. So I took a sow in Idaho this year. So, I mean, they have to be managed as well, but that's, that's one of those things where it's like, um, it's a tool to help identify a bear where it's kind of like baiting or running hounds. Sure. You know, um, you guys get to be anybody that runs hounds, they get to be picky. Whereas they'd be like, you know what, this is a, an immature bear. We're going to hold out for a more mature bear and then, you know, leave that bear alone. Whereas, which we've done numerous times. Yeah. And the same thing with baiting where they're going to come in, you're going to tell if it's a sow that has cubs or not. Or, you know, or just an immature bear that's not, you know, to what you're after. So there's, you know, and for me this year, when I went to Idaho um, with my buddy who baits, I have so much more respect for people who bait because it's not, it's not just throw some bait out and you're going to have bears. I mean, the, the amount of work he puts in and the bait that we hunted it had, I don't think the first bear hit that bait until the first day I even got out there. And so we were like, eh, well, 
we'll we'll try but that bear was uh he was smart he outsmarted us he would wait he would come in right after we would leave and so it was like two days before i left we decided to switch it up give that bait a break go to a different bait and then maybe come back and we were just kind of trying to throw them off um we were going to do two guys in one guy out because those bears they know they're smart yep they know when you're hitting usually they're within you know an earshot of the bait and so they hear you come in it's like a dinner bell and then when you leave they'll you know they'll come in and and hit that bait and so that's what we were going to do two guys in he was going to leave i was going to stay in the tree stand and then he would think we left and then hopefully i would get an opportunity ultimately we didn't get a chance to try that um, because the other bait um, produced a bear that i took so interesting that um how smart they are and they're very very smart and their nose is you think uh but to anybody listening to this podcast and i don't know if you guys have ever baited it's not a piece of cake and the amount of work to keep that bait site baited not just that the amount of money it takes yep and just time blew my mind i've never done it um my buddy matt uh so i was like dude i have so much more respect uh, and not that I thought it was going to be easy, but it wasn't. I didn't think it was going to be that hard. You know, he's the one bait that we hunted is it's a mile in and a mile out. That's a heavy, heavy load with all that, all that food stuff. to bring in there. What did oh, What did you guys bait uh, with? Uh, we used a lot of uh, <clears throat> what were we using? It was like a this this trail mix popcorn. Um, you know, nothing healthy, <laughs> right. but a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of Boremasters, um, products, sprays, um, stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's not as easy as throwing out the food and they're going to come running in, you know, exactly. it's just, I mean, can it be sure, but can you kill a bear on opening day here in California with your bow with no bait? Sure. But it's not always going to be that easy. And, you know, and the hound thing, uh, I would love to try the hound thing. Um, we face those same, those same, those uh, same stereotypes that everybody that doesn't bait, we don't, we're not allowed to bait here in Arizona. The only thing you can use is <clears throat> mineral salts. You know, obviously well, but bit- prob- people probably think, oh, well, you know, the hunter's not doing anything. It's the dog. Well, you know what? The, the amount of time that I imagine that anybody that owns hounds has to, the hours that they put into training their dog and ultimately their dog lives for it. Um, yep. cause we lost hound hunting here, uh, late 2012. It went into effect 2013. Um, so I never got to experience that as a kid. I would see hound hunters up in the mountains doing it. Um, but never really back then thought about hunting them. Just, it's we lost it here not because it was inhumane to the bear it was passed because people thought it was inhumane to the dog and i just kind of roll my eyes at that and it's like that's what those dogs are bred to do and that's what they live for and the guys running those dogs obviously they love their dog and they're training them year round so and then you got to go chase the damn dog you know so it's not easy yeah you're chasing them for miles it's not easy and it just like you see it the respect that it goes into baiting, um, there's a lot more than just throwing out a couple marshmallows in a 
loaf of day old bread. There's so much. No, more you that. have to. You got to scout an area and just know if there's bears. And you know, and it was interesting on the baiting thing on how picky they are. So the bear that we were trying to go for for like five days, uh, I took some fried chicken up there, and I'm like, oh, dude, he's going to be all over the chicken. He didn't want any chicken. Wow. <laughs> and he would go straight for the chocolate peanut butter wafers. That's all he wanted. He would eat that and leave. That's hilarious. And I was like, dude, you don't want the chicken? What the heck? <laughs> you know? I thought for sure. I was like, he's going to smell that chicken and come in. And, and you know what? Maybe... I don't, I don't know how those bears, you know, what they start to feed on when they first come out of hibernation. Maybe they don't want meat right away, or yep. maybe it's just the sugar they want. Um, I took, like, Wonder Bread up there with pancake syrup and was, you know, spreading it everywhere. He wanted nothing to do with it, just the chocolate wafers. Amen. So it was kind of interesting to, to watch, watch that happen. Can't you know, go wrong like, with chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> no, I mean, I would agree, but I was like, uh, I can't believe this. So that just goes back uh, to what we talked about earlier that different personality, the different taste. Uh, you could have someone, another bear, come in and, and tear that bread up and the syrup or the marshmallows or the trail mix or popcorn. It's and yeah, so he had that bear that we were watching when we would pull trail cam footage. Um, he acted really skittish and he would run off and do weird things. And what we finally realized is that there was another bear trying to come in on that bait. But when he would run off, we thought he was running off because he was just nervous. He was running off because he was chasing that bear to get it out of there. Oh, that so, and that's, sense. and that's kind of why on like the trails and stuff I watch, very few trails do I want run just one camera. I run a camera going each way. Makes then, sense. And, and once I and once I pattern them, then maybe I'll reduce it to one or two cameras. But uh, that's what that bear was doing. It was pushing another bear off, which I think was ended up being a smaller sow. But uh, you know, when they start to crap around the bait, that's when you know they're comfortable. Yep. Makes sense. At least, at least that's what my friend Matt was telling me. He goes, once they start to to poop next to the bait. That's when you know that they feel comfortable there. Yep, means and so on, the weather it. this year, the weather just this year just didn't cooperate. Um, I mean, it snowed up until the point when I went out there, and so I mean that's just a kind of a you know a crapshoot of trying to go out there on a specific week and the chances you take that the weather may not be what you want. Right. So I plan to go back this next year, twenty twenty three. I'm hoping to do. Um, I'm hoping to do a three week solid hunt as far as a week in Oregon, a week in Idaho, and hopefully a week in Arizona or Montana, one of those two. And then I'll do my fall hunt or late summer hunt here in California. Well, a lot of benefit here is we got multiple species open at the same time. That's part of the reason why we love Arizona, our archery deer and archery, uh, bear at the end of August, beginning of September, as long as the unit isn't closed because of the female harvest limit being reached, can be open at the same time. And, and even some units have javelina open at the same. So you got three different so, animals that you could target. Yeah, we don't have a uh, female quota here. 
But I think that's because our population is so high. You know, they estimate the California populations between 40 and 60,000. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, where we got probably five to 7,000. I was going to say about 10% of that. Yeah, that's huge difference. And before we were recording, we were talking about, you were talking about Utah. I Googled the population there is only 1,500 to 3,000. In Utah? That's all they show? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's what Google. That's what Google says. Yeah, I love Google. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because I hunted Utah this year with my buddy and shot a pretty incredible bear. And man, I seen two bears just in my three days that I was there, and it was incredible. I always thought they had a lot more bears. That's incredible that they have that limited. Population. I could be totally wrong, but that's just what Google told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yep. you know, in Calif- in California, it's basically from Sacramento north is where your main population of bears are. And so we have more bears in Northern California than Southern, but we have more cats in Southern California than we do in Northern California. It's kind of interesting how that works. Well, that makes sense. Cause in fact, I was looking at your Instagram account and I think you did a post where it showed, was it 500 bears were already harvested by the first of October? Or something crazy like that. I think Which is uh, amazing. like October 6th, I think we had like a little over 600. Now, October is one of um, the better months months to hunt bears here in the fall for a rifle. Um, so I'll bet we go over 1,000 by the end of the month. Wow. Uh, but our quota is 1,700. And I think we're a little behind this year. We're not as far along number-wise as we were last year. And I don't, I don't know why, but um, hopefully that – Hopefully the October we have some good numbers because we haven't hit the quota since we've lost the the hound hunting. So I kind of thought we had a, a chance this year before the season started just because of all the the attempts at trying to take bear hunting away that it's brought a lot of attention to it, maybe piqued some interest of people. Yep. Um, that's kind of why I started my Instagram, you know, a few years back was I felt like people needed to know they don't need to know, but I wanted to share with people, you know, hey, look at California. And I know everybody hates our state because of our politics, but, you know, you can come hunt here. You don't have to live here. And when you're in Northern California and you get into the mountains, we have some of the prettiest backcountry, you know, out there. And you don't, you don't, you don't deal with politics when you're in the mountains. You're just there to hunt. So. Exactly. Sure. I kind of was like, man, people, I want to share with people the good bears we have here. And that's just kind of how that started. And we and love then, it. How can they reach you or how can they uh, follow you and all the information that you put out there, all your posts? Um, mostly on Instagram, just black bear or black underscore bear underscore pursuit, uh, black bear pursuit. And then I do have, I do have a Facebook page, but I'm, I'm not on there very often. Just, Facebook kind of sucks. <laughs> so mostly Instagram and then, you know, Facebook if they want to, if they want to. Gotcha. And what did that, uh, just for a little closure, what did your bear from this year score? Refresh everybody's memory. Uh, he was 20 and two sixteenths, So giant, uh, giant, just over 20, which is, I think anything over, I think anything over 18 is a great bear. I agree. So 100%. 
Well, and we we got a lot of them. We can't wait to hear about next year's story. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time and diving into a little bit of the tactics that you use, the trail cameras, the positioning, the different scouting techniques, and I really appreciate hearing everything on this year's hunting story, uh, the ups and the downs, being able to see it on opening morning, opening day, and being able to follow along and, and, and see that and the information that people will gain from that and all the information that you'll be able to share, all that knowledge that you'll be able to share on from then till now over these last couple months on what to do, what to potentially do differently are going to, it's going to help a lot of other people and um, it, it's going to help a lot of other people on just the stuff that you've been able to communicate with all your friends in California and everybody that's been able to follow along on this story and on your social media pages of, you know, maybe take that extra 10 seconds and, and think or wait for him to stop. All those little things that we learn on those hard lessons are, are things that we put in that, that memory bank that will help us in the future. So everybody always loves hearing about the positives and the success stories, but I, I think it's very, very critical and very crucial for everybody to learn from our mistakes as well because some of those are, are the best lessons learned. So we really appreciate you being so honest and uh, telling us about a story that, that, you know, like you said, you think about every day on what you could have done differently. And I think we would all be in that. We've all been there if you're an archer long enough and if you've been archery hunting, whether it's a bear, predators, elk, or deer. I know plenty of people have missed on deer and plenty of people have missed on, on big elk, and it, it does haunt you a little bit. But yeah, we, we, I, I got a lot of I got a lot of positive feedback um, when I posted about this year's experience, and people were like, you know, and I never really thought about it until I posted it. But people were like, to truly appreciate the fact that you posted, you know, that not every hunt is going to be a grip and grin and you know successful story, and you know this is this is real life. This is this is what happens, and it's and so relatable. It yeah, I mean. I mean, not everybody can relate, but probably more, more than not people can, you know, more people can than not. So, um, 100%. if I could go back, I would change it, you know, to where it ended different. But like you said, learning experience, um, and hopefully it's the last time that I have to experience that, but you know, time will tell. We can't wait to continue uh, hearing from you on maybe a future episode and continuing to see all of your pictures. I love watching the videos and the pictures and seeing all the different hunts you get to go on. And it's fun. Like we really miss our trail cameras and it was a lot of fun just going out there and putting them. Most of us have never harvested an animal off of them. And we've, we've talked about this subject a lot over this year, but it's just fun to go out there. It gets you out. It gets you into the outdoors and, you know, it's like Christmas getting to put that SD drive or the SD card in your camera and from your camera into your computer and getting to see what's out there. It's just a lot of fun and it's fun being outdoors and scouting. Yeah. Nothing is a, just cause you run a camera or hunt with a rifle or hunt with a dog or hunt over bait. Nothing is a guarantee. 100%. Absolutely. So just because you run cameras doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, successful every year. Um, does it help? I think, it, yeah, obviously there's a, 
uh, an edge, gives you a little bit more of an edge, but it's like you said, you've never killed or harvested an animal off of a camera. Um, you know, some people have, some people haven't, but, um, and I don't know all the ins and outs of what happened there in Arizona, but I hope it never happens here. Now we battle, it seems like every year we're going to lose bear hunting. And then what do I have? Right. I might well just delete my Instagram and disappear, you know, at that point. But, uh, I'm going to stand up and fight and, and do what I can as much as I can every year to, you know, so we don't, but I think it helps you're educating people. I think, um, hearing from all sides. And like you said, in the beginning, we're our own worst enemy. Hunters are so quick to judge and place blame or second guess Monday morning quarterback and talk. Smack. Well, the one, the one, the one thing that has the one positive thing that has come from them trying to take bear hunting away in California is how for wildlife. For sure. So Charles here, uh, Charles Whitwam, that's ultimately, I think why he started it. It's kind of what got it kickstarted. So, as that continues to grow, it educates people, um, not only what's going on here, but in every state. Yes. So, um, yes, Charles in California and John here in Arizona, uh, partnered and we've had them on, or we've had John on speaking about Howl, and we've played some of their episodes before. We're, we're a big supporter of that. Both great guys and yep. I'll support them as, as much as I can in any way I can. So exactly appreciate everything they do and i know they're not going to quit so no they won't um we're wrapping it up and as always uh mike always ends us in prayer mikey all right lord we just uh we just thank you lord that we come together and just talk about your incredible creation the the bear lord and it's it's such a, a unique critter lord that you created lord that has the likeness of so many characteristics of the things that we that we are as humans lord just that that sense of curiosity and and smartness and and the pursuit in lord and i just thank you lord that you give us that passion lord i just ask that you just bless seth and while he's out there doing a lot of these hunts on his own lord keep him safe lord and just protect his family while he's gone and and lord we just thank you lord that we have this opportunity to come and, and speak on a podcast and uh, we just ask that you would bless all of our listeners and bless our country lord and we just thank you for all you give us in jesus name amen amen amen, amen.